Between the Lines with Virtual Academy. We all have a story to tell. Hey guys, Chris Carden here, and this is Between the Lines, a podcast where we go beyond the badge to allow members of the law enforcement and public safety community to tell their stories, to talk about cases that impacted their lives and the things they've experienced. And joining me right now, I referred to them earlier as the power couple of Alabama law enforcement. That's right. Angeli and Brian Thompson. It just got, so a, it's got a nice ring I to it. I love that. Doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. I'll yeah. take it. We can do All that right. again. Also with us, and I forgot to give my main man the intro this morning, to my right is Aaron, as Siri would say, Beville, but his name is actually Bevel. He's the executive producer of Between the Lines. So anyways, let's start with you, Angeli. Tell me a little bit about yourself. And anything you don't tell me that I want to know, I'll ask you. Okay. Well, my name is Anjali. Anjali. Sorry. So we're going to have to get that right, Chris. We're friends, like yeah, longtime I'm, friends. I'm sorry. I I'm did just, not. Everybody gets it wrong. But here's the thing. I knew she thing. was going to correct when that you see, from the very beginning. When you see it. my name spelled A-N and you're thinking it's N, it's wrong. It's on. Julie. Make a note. Let's redo uh, this <laughs> intro, people. I'm just, I'm just kidding. You guys want to get to know each other? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Anjali. I'm Chris. <laughs> Hello. Nice hey, to meet nice you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> My name is Anjali Thompson, and I really don't know what to say. I'm actually an, I'm a wife to Brian. Been married for 11 years. We've got two kids, Piper and Lennox. I own a practice, a private practice. I'm a counselor, and it's called House Counseling in Oxford. I actually have a second location in Rainbow City, Alabama. Been doing that now for since 2016 and have quite an extensive background in the court system. Kind of had a lot of colleagues early on. I worked for a judge and I was a traffic clerk in the courts. So that's kind of how I started developing my relationships within law enforcement. I like CrossFit. Um, I don't take really good care of myself. Sometimes I'll go all day and not eat. And then, of course, he's like, you know, it's your fault. It's your problem. And I'm like, I know. I do the best I can. He really does. He does a lot to you, help. But I mean, you've got a lot to work with. There. you got to help know. yourself. It's, clearly it's is what sometimes. some people say. Like, tell me. But anyway, so. Maybe you should see a counselor. I think. Um, I'm actually seeing one weekly. And clearly, I'm not listening very well. <laughs> so, which... Uh, circuit did you work in? Did you work in the Calhoun County? Mm-hmm. The 7th? Yes. So you got out of school and started with the court system? Well, I actually um, started in Marshall County when I was 19 and really? ran the traffic division up there, met a bunch of troopers. My uncle is in law enforcement. His name is Jason Woodruff. He's down on the coast. And I remember Gulf Shores. Gulf Shores, PD. And um, we would visit my grandmother over the summer. And so knew them, met some people in the courts, started working there, moved to Calhoun County to start at JSU and just emailed the circuit clerk here and I was like you know I do traffic division can I come work for y'all and they were like yeah and came ran that traffic division as I was going through school the judge asked me to work for him before he retired and then I got to stay with the next judge and so I finished my master's program I actually decided I was going to go to law school I was like screw this counseling stuff you know I can't can't do it because I had failed the test originally and right before I went to law school got pregnant and I was like well dang it there goes that. There goes that. <laughs> and um, so I took this test because it was cheaper, again, to take for the second time. I was, and then I passed it after I didn't um, study for it. And I was like, well, now i got to be a counselor. Great. Started working for an agency. I'm a little defiant by nature. Um, didn't really like the way her business structure ran and told him one day came home and I was like I'm going to start my own practice and he was like okay that's what I love about him honestly is he knows that I'm kind of just going to do and um I came home I was like I'm starting my own practice this is what it's going to be and this is how it's going to run and this is these are all the forms I've developed and he's like okay let's do this so he's been the backbone for that too because 
I'm kind of the person that like wants to make all the money, but then I would have the money in a bank account. None of the bills would be paid, you know, like it's bad. (laughs) So he is the backbone and, you know, the silent like organizer of my brain. And whenever I have a new idea, he's like, let's finish this one before we start this new business. (laughs) He's like, do whatever you want. But I think, you know, so he's, it's, there's, he's the yin to your yang. Yes. It's been very helpful in managing all the things. So what year was that that you started working in Marshall County? It was, it was 2007 because I moved here and started in Calhoun in 08. No, it was 20, 2006. Marshall County was 2006 and I think I worked two years prior. So, um, you know, our attorney general is from Marshall County. Yes, Steve Marshall. Yeah. Do you know Steve? I've met him several times. Yeah. Um, but he's I don't a heck know of him. a guy. Yeah. I mean, oh, I've, yeah. I've, I think he's wonderful. I mean, he's probably, uh, as far as politicians go, mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Aaron and I, on the way over, I got a call from uh, Jackie Hornsby. Jackie's uh, the head of the detail for the general. Mm-hmm. And oh, cool. uh, he's going to stay at my place next week when they got a trip down. So His daughter actually did a, an internship here with us. That's so, right. You know. Yeah. That's right. Faith. Faith, yeah. yeah. That was yeah. a little bit before my time. I think I, when I got hired here, she was just kind of finishing up maybe. So. Well, thanks, Anjali. Thank you, Chris. Brian? Good to meet you. Hey, yeah. good to meet you. <laughs> hey, uh, Brian. Yeah. Let's let's uh, peel the old onion back on BT over there. Let's do it. Finished high school where? So graduated high school from uh, Athens High School up in North Alabama. Oh, wow. 2002, class of 02. So I'm uh, starting to date myself a little bit. I've been in it longer than it seems. Came to Jacksonville for school? I did. Uh, I went to my first year at UAH. Just really did general studies. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then I looked into, you know, I think I want to become a cop. I want to have an exciting job, rewarding. So I was like, you know what? Um, Jacksonville State's got a good criminal justice program. I'll go there. I wound up here in 2004, 2003, somewhere in there. My first job while going to school down here was with the university police department. I started out dispatching there. Worked at, a, at the university dispatch, and I was able to work on my studies, and it was really nice, you know, night shift work. Uh, so I got to get a lot done that way. And then uh, job opening came available at Jacksonville PD. So put in for that, was able to get hired with Jacksonville, and went through the academy with them in 2005, and uh, worked patrol with Jacksonville for two years something like that, and then ended up getting an opportunity with the Calhoun-Cleburne County Drug and Violent Crime Task Force. So that's where uh, I met her when she was working at the courthouse. On a search warrant? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she was the cute girl working in the courthouse, and uh-huh. I was always coming in doing, you know, filing papers and, and things like that. So uh, that's that's where our story began. We ended up getting engaged and buying a house and it was a really funny story actually he was he was engaged i was prior yes i was previously engaged wow fell through let me tell you this story real quick <laughs> i'm ready for this <laughs> all right so everyone's like oh this is bad news yeah it Over really here. wasn't it's really not so he was engaged i had been in a relationship for about two and a half years too he started i remember him he started he was the new little baby face task force boy and um with all those old dogs True task force men. These he ended up. He actually had earrings. I did. Cute as can be. Couldn't grow facial okay. hair. Still can't grow facial <laughs> hair. But I, I had but earrings. He had the earrings. <laughs> and so I remember there was one time like I was talking about shoes being thrown. I don't remember. Just trying to find dumb stuff. But anyway, he came in one day to, to get a search warrant, and he was with this. There was this lady named Donna that worked in the criminal division. And as soon as he walks out the door, 
Donna turns around in her chair and she goes, ooh, somebody better snatch him up. He's single. And I it was <laughs> like, everyone's like, oh, God, what happened? You know, what happened? So, you know, they, no, no details, but they broke up. And then I went to my boyfriend. I was like, we are, we're on a break. Yep. We're on a break now. Yeah. Because I had met him. Yeah. She's making her move. Yeah. And then broke up with my boyfriend. You know, I literally. Just, I just need some house. time to find myself. I've got to figure things out. Yeah. Right? You yeah. know, because yep. um, I had talked. We were friends. Like I, we parked in the same parking lot. We all parked in the task force parking lot. So there are times that we talked to them. And so then went Thanksgiving Day came and uh, went to my boyfriend's house. God bless his soul. First date we had, I drove her through the west side of Aniston and showed her, you know, where we worked a lot Loved during it. the time. And, you know, it was totally romantic, you know. I was like, this is so great. We are in an unmarked unit. And then I took her out to eat at Olive Garden. Power couple. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag power couple. It has been fun up and down over the years, but that's really how it began. It's been cool. That's, that's cool. That's a cool story. Mm -hmm. It is. I'll tell you a little bit about me that you probably have no clue about, but... When I started dipping my toe in civilian law enforcement, I was an MP here. Okay. Right oh, cool. across the street at the Fort McClellan MP Company. Yep. And I was an MPI. Mm -hmm. So I was on the drug suppression team. Okay. And which basically meant that I called Tom Wright. Oh, Tom. Who yeah. we all know and love. Yep. And I'd say, uh, hey, what you, what you guys got going on today? You know, yeah. We're going to go do a jump outs or yeah, some kind of we used to snatch do. and jump or mm -hmm. I don't know. What it was. <laughs> yep. I was like, yeah, sign me up for that. Well, one time we had we had a UC from yeah. the task force. This is before it was violent crime. It was right. Kendrick task force. Yeah. I went to the police academy with Jason Murray. So, oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm dating yeah. myself. Uh, uh, so we uh, needed to set up on the O Club on Fort McClone. Mm-hmm. We used the task force uh, UC, and I had to ride with one of the task force guys. Yep. And they say, uh, all right, you got to ride with Randall. I said, okay. Sanders. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got in the car with Randall. Yeah. And now you got to understand, I'm 20, yeah. 21 maybe. Yeah. I'm wanting to go Ready get the go. bad guys, That's you know. Yep. And I'm sitting there, I'm asking them all kind of questions, you know, mm -hmm. and Smoking Mar Marlboro lights like they're fixing to quit making them. Yeah, you know, uh, got, you know, I'm I'm got my badge and my yeah. gun. Finally, I said, uh, "You like working narcotics?" And he looked me dead in the eye. We were in an old red Mustang, mm -hmm. and he said, "I don't like talking when I'm on surveillance." <laughs> I said, "Yes, sir." <laughs> we did not talk again. Wow. Yeah, yeah he was, was my supervisor when yeah. I was there. So, um, yeah. Richard Smith was the commander. And I think he was uh, right after Tom Wright. Tom Wright was the commander before him, I believe. So many, uh, many surveillance operations there that we had to. Some fun times. Yeah, lots of good stories. Yeah, nice. when I when I would go to the task force back then, it was you went in a courthouse and turned left, and it was under some stairs or something. Yeah, so that yeah. was the old office over there, and yeah. then we moved across the street where they're now. The building's not there down. anymore. It's the new uh, federal federal courthouse there. Tell me about your time at Oxford PD. So I worked narcotics, like I said, at Calhoun County for about seven years. And Randall, actually, one of the things that he told me when I was there, he, he told me, he said, you know, your typical narcotics officer has got a shelf life of about five years. I didn't believe him. You know, I was young. I was having the best time of my life. I was learning, cutting my teeth on policing. I was like, there's no way I'll be tired of this in, you know, five years. Man, if he wasn't right. I mean, you do get worn down by the system a little bit. You know, you're, it's a constant game of cat and mouse and, and trying to uh, navigate the courts and being okay with how they handle your cases that you, that you bring to them. But 
anyhow, after about seven years, I, I wound up at Oxford, left the task force, went to Oxford PD, and it was like a breath of fresh air there. I mean, I was, I forgot how much I missed patrol work, just getting out and riding around and answering calls for service and seeing smiling faces again for, for once, you know, and not all the time, but, you know, we, we had a great community to work, work in there and, you know, a lot of support from the community, a lot of support from the from the department, from the city council and everything. So it was a good environment to work in. I just enjoyed the the entertainment value of patrol too sometimes. I mean, just you never knew what kind of call you were going to get. And uh, so it was a lot of fun. Wound up working in the crime lab there too towards my the end of my time in Oxford. We'd get assigned cases, general investigative cases, because we were still part of the investigative division. And we'd also work our crime scenes that we had there at Oxford too. So You know, the law enforcement community in Alabama thinks that Oxford's just this you know, bright star with no crime. And no, Oxford's a busy place. They are. I mean, they really are. They've got their fair share of crime and, a, you know, high call volume. So we, we stayed busy. Stayed busy. He flew helicopters, too. He forgets, like, the... Well, yeah, so there's that, too. You know, there he was just, the, the he aviation like under, unit. He undersells himself. It drives me <laughs> crazy. You're a helicopter pilot. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say a pilot. Well, I, I tried. Pilot. It's very hard, very difficult. Those pilots make it look really easy. It's a lot of it's it, yeah. You've got the collective, you've got the uh, the pedals, then you've got the cyclic. Cyclic. See, she remembers cyclic. it's the cyclic in the middle. So I was a tactical flight officer. So we had a pilot that would fly with us, and I was the guy that would, you know, we'd be on the radio. We didn't have all the fancy equipment in the helicopters that they have now, which I wish we did because now they have like FLIR. They have all this cool stuff that they right. can really you know use. When I was there, a part of it, I mean, we would go out and we'd fly, you know, during shifts. And if officers were on stop somewhere, we'd just kind of circle around them above. And it's just kind of a deterring factor. It's like if anybody in this car was thinking about doing something stupid, they see us up there. They're like, eh, maybe I shouldn't. It reminds oh. me of the old movie Colors. You remember? You ever oh, yeah. That? yeah. yeah. And the uh, helicopter's got the light on. They go, yep. you know, code four. That's it. You know? That's it. That's so, what we did. So back when I was uh, patrol, like if another car came by during a car stop, I'd Ten four, (laughs) code four code four were you ever swat tack any of that uh for a short stint there at the end of my time at oxford i was on the esu team there um tried out made the team and about the time that i got going i would say within several months of actually making the team this opportunity came up for me here at jsu uh, with this new job so i had to weigh weigh out my my sure. options then and uh make a decision and i went with this job so let's talk about your other activities concerning law enforcement so that's really how i met you actually yes you, you were doing something with the alabama chapter of concerns of police survivors or cops yes so tell us about that organization what do they do so i originally got connected with them because when i was working in the Working for Judge Beth Rogers, Mike Rogers' wife. She's awesome. She was the best boss of my entire life. Matthew Wade, before he was the sheriff here in Calhoun County, came to me, sat down. They had done a law enforcement memorial service every year. And I had started in, I want to say it was 2011, the FOP auxiliary in this area. It was right before Justin was killed. And what's crazy is as we started it, I wanted to do something because I was actually in my grad program. We were supposed to do like a whole group project thing where we develop a group. I was like, we're going to do the FOP auxiliary. So we went through that process, got all the bylaws. Justin was killed and then it blew up um, because everybody, I had added all these wives I knew. And and 
I've got a crazy abandonment history growing up, so there's a big part of me that just always wants everybody to be together. And that was kind of the theme of everything. So as that got started, Matthew Wade comes sits in my office one day. He was like, hey, I think you need to do this memorial service. And I was like, why? And he was like, I mean, like, you know, the police, like, you seem to have good relations with people. I think that you could really do a good job with it. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So we took it. Um, there was a group of girls, awesome girls. We've all, we've got probably about five or six that have stayed through the course of over 10 years together in this auxiliary. So come together, do a big police ball every year. We held this memorial service and grew it. And we had, you know, people coming from Calhoun, Cleburne, Etowah County, Birmingham people. We would get motor units and we would line cars up. And the whole point was to bring everybody together. We would mix the memorial color guards together. We would mix them together and we would have them work together to put on this awesome program. And it grew and grew and it was big and it was awesome. We got the helicopter flyovers at the end of it. It was awesome because I'm sitting there texting Jake, like, you ready, you ready, you ready? Wait, I'm over there wait, coordinating. Wait, not I'm yet, not, not yet. Like, we've Hold got on. a screenshot. No, go, go, go. <laughs> it's the best. Like, I loved it. It fueled me up just because of the work and God bless his heart. And, you know, Nick Bowles and Aniston PD always providing us anything we needed to, like Chief Denham. Like if we needed, we would do vigils and it was so much fun. That's how we kind of got connected with the families that led us to cops. And that's how I met you because I've known Byron Morris for a long time when he was a state trooper, got really close with his wife, Jennifer. And over time we were constantly working with them and making sure that they felt comfortable because the families feel forgotten in, in all of it a lot of the time. So tried to bridge that gap and do my best to like help. And all the girls in the auxiliary were awesome. Candace Grant, I mean, so everybody always came together to make them feel comfortable. So that auxiliary has been a big part of my life because originally, even in grad school, I was writing papers on keeping law enforcement families together. Like I, again, had met him and I learned that terrible, at the time, 50% divorce rate, which has increased now, you know, and I was like, oh, he's not going to leave me. He's going to die before he leaves me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so figuring it out, it really just kind of pushed me into my purpose. And what I found, of course, is everybody wants to talk a lot of crap about women getting together and auxiliaries. So I knew that we can't just get together and just bake cookies like everybody thinks we do. Right. It had to have a purpose. Sure. And I'm a purposeful type of girl. So I believe <laughs> we did it. And it's just been awesome to over the years meet people like you. And like, it's amazing how small that community is. Like law enforcement really is smaller than we think. And going to different conferences over the years and meeting people and learning people and being heavily involved in it. It is a family, even though we get distant. So every now and then I do like to try to do things that bring people back together. It's been cool. That's a very cool story. And most of that is just benevolence. I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah you're just digging in and, I and mean, you may have started for a project, but you finished because your heart's there. Absolutely. And that's honestly how it's kind of bled even into my career. I've been kind of deemed the law enforcement girl in the area. I love developing policy and my brain, I have some like a little bit of an entrepreneurial type brain when it comes to business function and structure and meeting all these law enforcement officers, the new hire evals that have been mandated through the state. One of my friends, Fallon Hurst at the county actually let me know it was coming. And I had already developed a policy because I'd worked with Wadawi on doing basically a psychological eval. So I developed my protocol. You know, sometimes you just got to put a logo on something that looks real fancy. I learned that in the courts too. You just got to make it look real fancy, like you know what you're doing. And so I put it all together. This is how it's going to be. And then send it out and people come all the time. Wow. She's good. Has she? Have you collaborated? <laughs> I was six and say, has she collab? Uh, <laughs> have you collaborated at all with uh, anybody at A Post concerning some of that? 
I have not. I mean, I've, I've spoken with them just because, you know, in the beginning, every, it was so new and everybody didn't really know what to do. And I was like, this is what we're doing. And so, I mean, I've got like a whole cover sheet, like the form 3B. I've got my recommendation. Everybody does it so differently, but mine looks real fancy. So, I mean, I haven't really spoken to them about it. I know they accept them. So I feel like I'm doing something right. Yeah. And um, at the end of the day, I remind everybody too, like, even in the beginning of my eval, it says this is heavily based on self-report. Like, I feel comfortable enough allowing this person to go and to and to grow. But at the end of the day, like, some people are like, well, that's too much liability. Like, what if you say, I mean, I had one recruit that showed up, didn't make it, you know, because of certain things that occurred. But it's not on me at the end of the day. Like, this is a self-report. Your behavior, and I tell them that before they leave, your behavior will play out. So whatever you don't say here, number one, I'm noting because I'm very observant. It's my job. Number two, it'll play out, and you don't want that to happen. You don't want to look like a fool. So I educate people. It's been it's given me an opportunity to educate people on counseling and the nervous system, and I love it so much. If I could do evals every day. I meet the coolest people. They give me challenge coins. Wow. Like, it's so fun. I mean, it's the best job. I should have brought you a challenge I coin. I can't believe no. you didn't. I'm putting challenge coin Thank right God. now. He's adding to the list. By the book here. <laughs> she, she accepts swag. I love it. Oh, we'll swag you up. I steal from him sometimes. Like, he'll get challenge coins, and then he'll come home and be like, Yeah. My kids do. Our kids will do it. Like, I mean, Chief Partridge, love him. Like, he gave Piper this challenge coin one time, and she was not giving it up. Like, we're just challenge coins. So you just waited till she went to sleep. Absolutely. She forgot about it. So So, uh, about Piper. Piper and Lennox. Piper and Lennox. The little family you guys got. Yes. Especially you, Brian. Uh uh, Day-to-day working the kind of uh, crime scenes and things that you see yeah. uh, out there. You know, a lot of law enforcement, they answer calls, they work wrecks, they, yeah. you know, work parades and details, but pretty much everything you do is bad. Right. Yeah. How are you maintaining a good mental diet and staying on top of your mental health for yeah. the sake of your family? Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, when we get called, I mean, somebody's had a horrible day. We work major homicide scenes and suicide questionable suicide sexual assaults here with jsu center for applied forensics and uh, we cover eight counties so i think i do a pretty good job i won't say compartmentalizing i mean i I do bounce a lot of stuff off of her i mean she's very inquisitive in case you haven't picked up on that drives him crazy drives him he's like quit interrogating me (laughs) i haven't picked up on that at all (laughs) i know so she's she's the type that's like tell me about your day. I want to know all the details about the scene, you know, Show me and the pictures. she wants to see pictures. And so I'm like, you know, cool. Uh, you know, I, I, I share what I can and, um, and she loves it. And the kids are getting to the age now to where they're starting to ask more questions about what daddy does. And it's actually really funny. It is. And, and I try to be as honest as I can with them. You know, I tell them exactly what I do. You know, I go out to, to crime scenes, you know, somebody's done something bad and somebody got hurt and, and died. And, you know, it's my job to go and take pictures and collect evidence and, you know, document it and make sure that, that we can get the bad guy put in jail. And then I put the caveat on there, you know, when you're older, I'll, I'll go into more detail. Because <laughs> some of the stuff is just, you know, you wouldn't want to, like some of the stuff I don't even want to really tell her sometimes. Well, I mean, uh, I'm sure some of the stuff you're wishing you didn't even have to look at. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and and so. and I don't know if I've just gotten to the point, and I don't know if it's bad or not, that it just, it, most of the cases don't bother me. I now. don't know. Right now, I just uh, you know it, it hasn't it doesn't really have a an effect on me. I don't say, but now there have been a couple that you know have really you know hit home you know with child involved cases and things like that. So those are always tough and not easy to to deal with. 
you know, it's a, it's my job at the end of the day and, and I do enjoy it. So, so do you have like a physical fitness? I mean, obviously you're a fit guy, you take care of yourself. Yeah. I said, we, we both do CrossFit. We've been doing that now for probably five years or so. I think we enjoy it. It's, I used to go in the afternoons after work, but now we're so busy with the kids and after school activities and everything else. So I've switched my time up to going in the morning at five fifteen a.m. So it's just kind of a good, good release. Yeah. You know, to get, get going and, and, and get the workout over with first thing. And then I'm, I'm free at the end of the day. And so, and she has the luxury of being self-employed, so she can kind of go when she wants. And oh, yeah. she usually goes at eight o'clock in the morning. And so, yeah, you get a good sweat in and, you know, it's, it's, it's good for the mind, body, and soul, I think, to, to get that exercise in. And diet and nutrition is a whole nother thing because I love to eat food. And I just found out that I have a whole bunch of stupid sensitivities. So I'm having to like avoid, well, I say I'm having to. I have to be more conscious of dairy and eggs things like that wow yeah it's it's terrible but we just went out to eat the other night and i just tore had what up, i wanted tore to it up. yeah oh so, yeah you know it's, it's just I'll a just, suggestion yeah you know i know i might have a reaction everything but in life is a suggestion <laughs> that's right i say that to our crossfit coaches you know because when you go to crossfit i know people are like oh they're the crossfit people they're going to talk about crossfit yeah of course okay <laughs> i'm not an elite athlete sometimes i pretend to be but I also have the 8 a.m. class that we just talk a bunch of crap to each other. Like, it's like social hour. And the coach comes, and they're like, here's this. And we're like, yeah. They have mimosas instead. after class sometimes. It's you like, know, it happens. You know. It's just a great community atmosphere. Is there a way to join the 8 o'clock class and not have to do the CrossFit? You actually can in the okay. 8 o'clock class, yes. Okay. You can come there. Yeah. And if you're like, you know, I'm not going to work out. And we'll be like, that's fine. Welcome. You just sit glad here on this mat. Here. I'm glad you're here. Social hour. Wow. They make fun of us. And I'll put the CrossFit spiel out there. You know, it's 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 lovely because you can do as much or as little as you feel There's comfortable a scale with. For you everything. scale it down. That's you know, I'm a scaled athlete is what I consider myself. I'm it's fine. Nice. You know, you, there's there's this movement and if you can't quite do that, you can do this one. And again, Anthony, our owner of the gym, Stoked Cross well, it's not CrossFitting, it's Stoked Elite Fitness and Anthony and Buffy, like they they'll joke with us, and we're just like, all right, coach, that's a, thanks for the suggestion. Again, everything is a suggestion. Where is this place at, and what's it called? It's Stoked Elite Fitness, and it's off. It's on Highway 21 in Oxford. It's like right outside the city limit, down past the airport. It's a great place. Good people. Good like home owned gym. Community. It's community, and yeah. that's honestly when he told me that we were going to do CrossFit five six years ago. He was at Oxford. They gave a cool law enforcement discount. Yeah. I was like, I'm sorry, you know, like I'm not, I, but at the same time, I've always, I've played sports and been an athlete and I like to move heavy things. And I remember in the first, the first couple of times I would go, like, I forget a ponytail holder. So I was like, God, I can't go to the gym. Dang Shucks. It, you know, and yep. he'd be like, get to the freaking gym. Any excuse. I was like, I don't know those people like that. Cause I'm introverted. <laughs> like I see people all day. And by the time you have to go and you have to be like smiling and stuff, sometimes you're not in it. Yeah. But then kept going. Started showing up more, found my eight o'clock class. They're super chill, stayed ever since. Have you encouraged, do you, uh, of course, I know you can't talk about your patients. Well, I can't, I don't have to say names. Oh. Do you encourage your, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you have some law enforcement Yes, I have patients. a lot, yes, yeah. I have a lot. So is part of the wellness strategy for law enforcement to have some sort of physical activity, do you encourage that? It really, de I know this sounds, of course, very, of course I would say this, but it really depends on the person because certain, I mean, I'm learning too, like learning about the body and the systems of the body and how to heal trauma in the body. And some, you know, certain types of exercises can exacerbate stress symptoms in the body. So I'm also careful in like, 
of course, I talk about CrossFit, but I usually say it in a way that's find an outlet for you. I enjoy CrossFit. I enjoy it because I can work at my own pace. I enjoy it because of the community aspect of it. So, I mean, I kind of push it, but I'm also not like a lot of people when they come in, the foundation of everything's not there. So for me to be like, you got to go to the gym, you got to do this, you got to do that is too much sometimes. So I'm starting with something as simple as how much water have you had? Everybody rolls their eyes. They call me the water girl too. How much water have you had? Because physiological needs are what we have to secure first to do anything better. I add that piece in later, but you know, some, sometimes just walking, I'm like, even if you need to move and walk to the mailbox today, like celebrate that because we got to build on something because sometimes it can be too much, but I mean, it just depends. It's all tailored treatment. And I learned that early on in school, they try to push you to like, they're like, you can't be a general practitioner, of course, because they told me I couldn't, I did become a general practitioner right because you have to know the client like the relationship with the client's important and whenever you listen and you understand where they're coming from and how they function that's how you tailor the treatment I don't have a one-size-fits-all I used to show up when I was real nervous and I'd have a plan because they teach you like what's the treatment plan but then you're missing what the client wants to bring you so I just started learning to work on the fly as soon as we get in there I hear what you're saying and I work with what you give me and that's worked out for you yeah At Virtual Academy, we're helping our clients build better prepared public safety professionals by offering high-level training provided by engaging national experts. With hundreds of hours of training available instantly, Virtual Academy offers the functionality your officers need so they can train as their schedules permit. Find out how Virtual Academy can meet the needs of your agency today. Visit virtualacademy.com for a complete list of courses, training resources, and more. Virtual Academy. Because you deserve more. So have you seen uh, an impact? Have you, have you, do you feel like what you've been doing has made a difference in the community around here? I really do. I see what I love now is I see more, I feel like, you know, my mission, of course, is to change the culture and to educate, like in classes that I teach, I teach, I'm like, pull out your insurance card. Let me tell you about how insurance works and what a, what a diagnosis code actually is. That's me getting paid. If you're living your life because of that diagnosis code, we got to change that mindset. So I'm constantly like breaking down the barrier of mental health for people all the time. And I I notice in our communities, the culture is shifting some, like I've got chiefs that are starting to like hear it out. I do peer support stuff with people so I can get there and I can just kind of normalize like this is okay. This is a place that I'm going to help you checkpoint yourself and I'll have this police car show up here and come in for a session. You people in uniform sit in the lobby. Like it's you see that, and my office in Oxford is in a, on a pretty busy street going into downtown, so that fuels me up and, and shows me that the community, at least in our area, some is, is changing and is starting to be receptive of what I'm trying to do. When did, uh, you know, taking care of law enforcement, you know, their overall wellness, mental health, when did that become a thing? Because it wasn't a thing back, you know, even when I started. I went no. to the police academy I showed Aaron my picture on the wall down there, 1994. Yep. And we never had anything about wellness or... I think they touched on it in my academy session in 05, like, (laughs) hey, you need to exercise, eat good. You know, they might have mentioned mental health in passing, but... Yeah, it's it's always kind of been a, a stigmatized thing, you know. I mean, we're cops, we're tough, right? So... You know, suck it up, move on to the next call. Yeah. That's, that's just the, the attitude that's really kind of been out there, and it's not always that easy. You know, I think it's a, a the, the paradigm shift. Is, yeah. I, think it's, I think it's awesome. Oh, yeah. I think, too, honestly, and what I notice and what I sometimes, the bombs that I drop in my trainings or in a speech, and why I love bringing people together is because it seems like it's so important when something terrible has happened. In those moments, like, really used them to kind of be like, 
do this before your department takes control of it for you and forces you to do it because at that point it doesn't feel safe anymore. So I'm constantly like, look at your insurance card, call me, text me, I'll find you somebody. Like I've got a network throughout the state of like trusted law enforcement professionals that we've started to develop through peer support, through ALEPS. And it's been awesome because we can reach out to each other and be like, hey, peer support's amazing stuff. I feel like that in itself is the bridge between law enforcement and mental health because as we're slowly getting you know, more and more counselors trained in understanding the culture and what you're working with and responding to these officer-involved shootings and stuff like that. It's when a department takes a chance on the peer support response and they feel it and they see the impact of it, the word of mouth starts to travel. And that's the best marketing for anything. So you do good work. Someone tells everyone else about the work that you did and it grows from there. So as long as, as we push peer support and get more departments involved in that and understanding it and sending their people through those courses, I mean, mental wellness will be forefront for people so that they can work on retaining those officers and sustaining them over the years. How much of the uh, mental health crisis in the country, uh, much less the law enforcement community, do you think has to do with the overall lack of interest in a career in law enforcement these days? I feel like, number one, the crisis, like you said, is ridiculous. Even with COVID, it seems like more and more people are reaching out now. But I also see insurance companies making it difficult because it does get expensive and With law enforcement in particular, I don't know. I I really feel like this is going to be an ongoing thing that we have to constantly work at in order to get more and more people involved with it over the years. When your husband was on the road in in a patrol car making those tough decisions, Mm -hmm. you know, that quick. Yeah. How are you with that? And, you know, there you are at home with the two young kids. And uh, if we got a listener who's, you know, just getting into law enforcement, maybe, uh, you know, a uh, brand new law enforcement wife, you know, she's, he's just about to graduate the academy. How can you equip them for success? Do you have any advice? I was thinking about that because I feel like, like he said, I'm, I'm kind of a make the unknown known girl. And I'm also being a law enforcement officer and a counselor. Like I understand the importance of exposure therapy and seeing what's going on and, and knowing what's happening that reduces my anxiety. So I've kind of, I've never been worried. And the reason why I haven't is because I've trusted him And who he is as a police officer, I've never heard terrible things of, I've never really heard terrible, sometimes he's late. I mean, okay. I mean, I heard he was late. He's late (laughs) sometimes. Forgets his deodorant occasionally. That's right. I forget my, God, it's my fault. It's always my fault. (laughs) And he hit the Walmart more than once every other month. Did you tell him that story? I didn't. I don't know where he got that one from. Yeah. He had to bring me deodorant the other day. He's late because I forgot deodorant. Did you know that? No. What no, you, seriously. Okay. This anyway, happened literally anyway, yesterday. yesterday. She left the house. What's happening here? I know. Twilight Zone. Nostradamus. <laughs> we all synced up like a bunch of wireless routers. I was like, routers. how did he know? He always tells no, on She me. left the house and she was like, I don't know if I put deodorant He's on. always late because I always forget something. Okay. Well, then, and then so she, she texts me and she's like, I'm going to come back by the house after I drop Piper off at school. <laughs> well, five, ten minutes let, go by, and she texts me again. She's like, well, I missed the turn. I guess I'm just going to the office. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so I said, look, I will throw your deodorant in my truck. I've got to come by your office around lunchtime. I'll bring you some deodorant. He's late so because of me. Okay. As a wife, I never worried about him. He's solid gold. Okay. Our kids, same thing. He talks about, like, our I mean, our son, like, our little boy, he's like, who died now when dad gets called out? Like, the, it's just... I've always been of the, you got to know. So my advice is share what your day is like. And here's the thing. If she's uncomfortable, and the wives may hate me for this, if she's uncomfortable, guess what? You grow in uncomfortable. 
Okay. If you're going to be in this and make it in this world and you're going to make it in this marriage, like you have to be open to allowing them to decompress with you before they decompress with somebody else. And if you can't do that, it's not going to last. And so with him, yes, of course, sometimes I drive him crazy because he's like, I'm done. <laughs> I've been listening to people all day. So I'm like, so let me talk. Let me ask you questions. What, yeah. What's happening? You know, like <laughs> I turn into the listener when I get home and then I'm like, Hey, I need to come. I, are we allowed to cuss on here? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm a bitcher. Okay. I got to come on bitch sometimes. And I'm like, do you have 10 minutes? He's like, not really, but here we go. <laughs> I'll listen. So, Wait, boy, it really works at your house, doesn't it? it it's doesn't. funny. You guys, yeah. Well, it's now there. It doesn't always work. Well, no, and it doesn't always work in anybody's right. house. There's some nights where it's just like, and it still is. It's a constant battle to try to get a conversation in between the two of us with the kids running God around. And, I mean, marriage is hard, much less yeah. what all you guys got going on. You know. Mm-hmm. But last night was nice because, you know, the kids were kind of doing their thing and we were in the kitchen after dinner and, you know. He likes to do photography stuff and teaches me about that. And he, yeah, it was great. Yeah, like, we had good, good conversation. So. But I mean, talk. And as a wife, like, you got to, a wife will trust their husband more if they'll teach them what they do. Yeah, if you're being secretive or not necessarily secretive, but if you're just withholding. They're withholding, always going to yeah, wonder. There's always a question there. You and know, if so. they wonder, they come up with their own stories about what's going on and they yeah. sit and they're scared. I've never been scared, but also I've been exposed to law enforcement. I mean, I sat in my Uncle Jason's patrol car in Albertville, Alabama, like thought it was the coolest thing ever. Like I've, it's a part of me. And so it's interesting that I, I never thought I'd marry a cop, but he's also not a cop. Like he's Brian, you know? So yeah. that's what I love about him is all, even the departments that he's worked for. And they joke with me here, like I'm an absent mother because I'm the now I'm the business owner and he's got he gets off at four thirty and he's got the health insurance you know and he'll take off for the kids he's a great dad that's important and family is very important to him and that's always been huge so for me that's helpful because I see that we are doing the best we can as a team like we're some days we're off and some days we're not you know and for a husband for a police officer wife whoever like be open for a wife like also be open if you're uncomfortable it's okay for you to say I'm uncomfortable with you showing me that and then he's gonna say well I need to show you. And then she's got to work on that too. Everybody might need therapy. Shoot. Like find your place so you can process the uncomfortable of what's going on. Because if you're avoiding that, this is what we do. And I don't know why you would avoid that for 20, 30 plus years of marriage. Right. What about, I'm always hesitant to bring this up with any kind of law enforcement person that I'm talking with. But, you know, I have a law enforcement background, you know, 25 plus years. When I was a police chief, a lot of the uncomfortable conversations I had to have involved infidelity yeah involved police officers getting out and making terrible decisions about their personal lives you know that's uh, usually what what the big issues were yeah wasn't necessarily what they did on the clock it was you're absolutely right and um uh, i was the chief in silicaga and Mm -hmm. i think we had a 3.2 million dollar budget 85 percent of which was salary and benefits Mm -hmm. so the people took 85 percent of my money and they took up about 95% of my time worrying about them. Right. You know, girlfriends and wives and social media. And so if that stereotype carries over, and I, I would say probably it's its own paradigm that cops are, you know, womanizing robots and they're out here, you know, chasing them down. So if I'm, you know, if I'm that new wife and I have that concern because that's what I've heard. You know, my friend down the road was married to a cop. What's what's the marriage saving steps someone can take for both people, Brian? And I want your opinion on that too, because 
You, you know, go you go first. Yeah, Brian, let's make sure you answer correctly. Oh, no kidding. You know, it boils down to the individual officers, you know, and the type of person that they are. I mean, we're all we're all humans, you know, um, just like everybody else, any other profession. I mean, we still have the same struggles that everybody else does in, you know, sure. work life, personal life, whatever. But um, at the end of the day, you know, I'm only speaking for me, you know, I'm going in to do my job and. I tried to be the guy that's like, if we were, if something happened on shift or something like that, that was, you know, kind of a big thing or whatever, I'd send her a text like, hey, just want you to know, you know, this is what's going on. I'm okay. You know, I'll talk to you later. Or if I'd get called out, you know, working narcotics or something, you know, we're always working odd hours. So for somebody who is, you know, maybe not the most faithful, it's a perfect opportunity for them to, you know, hey, I got called out. I got to go. Just the honesty that you have to have, you know, with your spouse and the trust. And I think you have to establish that well before. Uh, yeah, well before you have you to know, have that conversation. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so. You know, life, trust, and uh, life 360. Is yeah. Kind of well, that's actually. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, we have that. It's yeah. funny because he put, he shared that. I'm really bad about just getting out and just talking. I'm, you know, you get out of the truck for one minute and then you're gone for 45. She, that's you. She, she texts me. me. She's like, I'm about to leave now. I'm, we're He's paying like, our check at the restaurant. She's out with the girls or something. I was like, okay, honey. One hour, hour later. later, you know. <laughs> I mean, well. She's so. like, I'm really leaving now. Okey, that's fine. You know? Yeah, he's afraid you're wrapped in an old carpet in the Literally. trunk of a car. <laughs> that's what he said. Going that's down where, the interstate. That's where my mind goes. Yeah, <laughs> mine too. It's helpful. Like, and yeah. he's, I think he also set it up actually because, you know, you've heard of hangry. Oh, yeah. You know. So yeah, I gotta I'm, know when she's gonna be home right. so I can have he's dinner. He's freaking ready. out. God bless his heart. We've switched <laughs> roles a lot now since yeah. he's kind of moved into this, and I f- I feel like in the beginning when he was narcotics, like our roles have shifted a little bit. She over was home time. and she was you know dinner, the kids, and everything like that. When I had the odd hours, and now I'm more of a eight to four thirty. Still Super get cool. called out, you know, in odd hours of the evening, but not quite as much. But I'm I'm really I get the kids in the afternoon. The marital adjust. It, yes. You know, it's a it's a it's teamwork. Teamwork he, makes the dream work. And ultimately put that life three sixty on there so I'm not stomping in the house hungry. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I leave my office it says Anjali has left her office and he's like Scrounge into like, oh, what can I throw in the microwave? Get the eggs out of there. There's a sandwich right here. She comes in the door. She's like a Sasquatch, and I shove some food in her face, and she's like, oh, back to sweet on Like the commercials like, okay, with yeah, the yeah. beef jerky. Yeah. Messing with Sasquatch. <laughs> He's got me. It's every location, man. Like. Rainbow City office. Well, uh, something I I take for granted when I'm asking questions because, you know, the old model is, you know, the male police officer out and making the money. Yeah, no, police officers don't make money. (laughs) Well, no. uh, (laughs) No, they don't. That's a whole different conversation. But we have more and more female officers now yep. that I, and I think that's great. Yep. I love the diversity and the, but the same issue comes up. You know, it does. a lot of marriages have suffered on the female law enforcement side because husband maybe is a police officer. So he feels right. like he has some institutional knowledge yeah. or husband is not a police officer and he just knows what he sees on TV. So to that husband who's home, you know, making sure the wife is not hangry. What's what, what would you what would you say to him if he's if his wife's thinking about a career in law enforcement? What would you tell that guy? I'd probably tell him know your role and challenge your societal view of what your role should be. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I think that I don't know if it's true. Like you correct me if I'm wrong. But as we moved, as I my practice grew, like I kind of became the 
I earn more, of course. On She's definitely my sugar mama. So, you know, like it took, it's like you got to take adjustment time to understand, like we need to quit comparing ourselves to what society says we're supposed to be. Absolutely. And just be accepting as to how our life flows. So for that, for that husband, I would trust her, trust her, know her and help her decompress. Again, it's all about connection at the end of the day. So the hardest part, I think, in law enforcement, and I teach this, and I've me and him have gone round and round on it before, is I'm, I'm highly, of course, I'm a woman, so I'm emotional connectedness is extremely important for me. And in my own therapy, I really had to work on, I expected him to have a high, high need for emotional intimacy. And so I'm, I'm seeking it. Like, I, I need you because all day long, like, what he doesn't realize is I'm conditioned in that, you know, like he's conditioned in his law enforcement and I'm conditioned and I, I as well, but I'm conditioned in a different way. So we've over time had to have tons and tons of fights and arguments and trying to figure out like how we communicate together. And for him, he has kind of a low need for emotional intimacy, emotional intimacy and connectedness, because it's like, I'm over here. This is how I decompress. So I had to start opening my eyes to see where it was around me. Well, I literally sit in that shit all day. So I had to start looking at how much I had around me. My counselor at one point was like, you got to relish in what's, what is. And when he said that to me, it was eye-opening because, like, I was like, oh, well, shit. It's like, <laughs> God bless his heart. <laughs> you know, like, I'm I'm sitting in it, the twilight zone from freaking eight to five. I'm tired, too. I don't want to talk either. Yeah. <sighs> so. I mean, and, 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 and I am I'm so interested in, in her career and everything that she has going on and without naming any names, you know, clients and things, you know, the, the stories that she hears and the things that she has to deal with, you know, I can't imagine, like I couldn't be a counselor. I don't think I would make a very good counselor at all. I, yeah. I cannot, you know, you know, if somebody came to me and they said, you know, these are all my problems, I don't know what I would tell them. Like, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Next. Maybe no. go to the gym. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Go no, punch see, a punch. Thing, back. I don't know, but I, I couldn't do her job. Well, you know, Dane Cook does a bit where he's talking about, you know, he's upset, so he calls his mom, and he's crying. Yeah. His mom says, well, here, talk to your father. Yeah. And he's crying, and his father says, what's wrong? He said, I don't know, Dad, I'm just having a bad day. He yeah. said, oh, yeah? Yeah, I was in Korea. <laughs> exactly. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, I try to do my best to just to listen. And I don't always have the, the energy to do it. You know, you come right. home from work and, you know, dealing with the kids and everything. And it's just like, man, I'm ready to lay down. I don't have an ounce of energy in me to give at this point in time. But, you know, we have those those moments, those evenings where, you know, we've got and the what? energy to connect and have a conversation and I can pay attention and listen. And then I also have to watch myself, too, because she doesn't want me to just look at her and I know when he's say, not there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because last night there was a, a moment in our there. conversation there was a moment where she said something and I started to feel myself just drifting off. And I was like, okay, I, I was like, I'm sorry. I felt myself drifting there. Can you say that one more time? And because I have to be like, are you here with me? Yeah. Eyeballs. Yeah. Here. Yeah. For five minutes. Yeah. And I get it. So, but I'm also hoping, and I've said it to him before. I don't know if he believes me at times, but like I can handle the truth also. I've all, the truth is important to me. So if I come home, cause seriously, like, my practice is successful because I don't have time. Like, I understand your feelings are your feelings, but feelings are dumb at the end of the day, okay? They're irrational most of the time. We can't make solid decisions when it comes to feelings. So, I mean, at home sometimes, it's like, I don't care about your feelings. And he's like, I oh, know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought you wanted me to talk about but my feelings. But then at the same time, he's still learning what feelings even are, okay? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. hard. It's I know feelings man. from yeah. a different way. And then I think sometimes that even challenges the male-female role in our relationship because as a male, you're supposed to know all of it. 
you've got it together. You are on it. And so that's kind of been a struggle sometimes, but I can handle the truth. And I can handle if you looked me right back in the eyeballs and said, I can't listen to you right now. Because guess what? I've done that to him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Jesus, you know, but I'm, I'm like, tell me that. And I'll be like, let me go call somebody that'll listen to me, you know? <laughs> well, clearly what you guys are doing is working. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been around a long time. I've talked to a lot of people. I've asked about you guys. Yeah. And, what did uh, I say? Well, bad. Anjali, we'll have a separate conversation. Great. Okay. No, uh, you know, everybody <laughs> I talk to, of course, I've, I've known your wife a little bit closer and longer than I've known you. Right. But you guys have the best reputation. And, well, thank you. You know, I'm not just awesome. trying to promote you, but you guys, you guys are making a difference. And I think that that's important. Love and, it. you know, cop stories are cool. Cop stories are what people want to hear. But yeah. sometimes people just need to hear a little shot of, Hey, reality. Re- yeah, this is how it really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of boils down today that, you know, trust and communication. Heck, that's important in marriage. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Who would have thunk yeah. it? Right, you know? right. Yeah. How about this? Tell me about house counseling. Tell me how to get in contact. Tell me where you are. Tell me what the rules are, what the do's and don'ts are. Okay, so house counseling. We've got a location in Oxford, downtown Oxford, and I have another location in Rainbow City. The office number is 256 342 6107. You can also email info at house counseling.com. We're very, very busy. So that's another thing is um, reach out definitely. We are also a referral source. So at the end of the day, if we can't take, I've got several counselors with me. They're awesome Tiffany Gaines, Amanda Snyder, Dr. Priscilla Wilson, Deanna Brewer, and then I've got Kara Raspberry over in Rainbow City. Wonderful counselors. We all kind of individually practice how we practice within house counseling together and if we can't take you we have referral sources like i said throughout the state it's my job to make sure that i find you somebody so call us and if we're the hub for sending you to find somebody like that's how we can help too so it's it's a great environment we've got great office staff sarah blackwell cohen davidson there some undergrad interns actually that have really stepped up and managed that practice and managed it well take direction very well I feel like we're, we're getting in the flow of as this group grows, it being a really solid organization. So call us. So what if someone wants to, what if someone wants to call, but they want to talk to a specific counselor? Do, is that allowable in your? It is. Um, you actually, there's actually this website called psychologytoday.com. So throughout the state or throughout the U.S., like if you're ever searching, some people aren't on there though, because I'm not on site. I'm not going to pay psychology today. I don't. I just don't want to do it. It's an expense I don't want. But psychology today, you go on there, you can find counselors. Um, you can look at our website, and you can request a specific counselor. But when you get to a place where you can't take people, you we don't do waiting lists, so you can always request. And if you can't wait that long, I always encourage people if you call and you don't have someone, find somebody, because you can get on the books with somebody. And the greatest thing about counseling is kind of like dating. You got to kind of like feel out the person. If they're not a fit for you, that's okay. And that doesn't hurt our feelings as counselors. Sure. Because it's my job. I say that up front. If we don't fit, that's fine. Again, I can handle the truth. So if you came to me and you said, Anjali, I don't think this is the right fit. Can you refer me? Absolutely. It's my job. So give us a call. We can help. Wow. The last conversation you and I had was about Virtual Academy hiring you to come and do some content. Yes. At our studios in Martin. So what was that like? So I love to teach. It was scary. And of course, like the way I teach too is like, I'll wait till the last minute and I'll be 
God bless his heart. Oh, He'll, yeah. I hear about it. She's like, like, I've got this thing. She'll, months ahead, three she's months. like, I've got to get my presentation together. I'm getting it together this weekend, you know? Doesn't do it. And then we're, like, down to the wire. Like, the last night, she's, she doesn't sleep, and she, like, miraculously, it's, like, <laughs> pure magic when it when she's done with it. ADHD, so. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But it works. So, um, of course, I had developed multiple presentations over the years that I've, I've given, and this was different because I'm used to, like, interactive. We're sitting down together. I've got people bringing me stuff that I can go with. Yeah, uh, not so much in a TV studio. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, it's a big learning curve. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, you're like, find the right outfit. Oh, my God, what are you going to wear? Like, go get up there, and then here you are. I mean, I might be exaggerating because I'm a little dramatic, but six inches. No. I'm dramatic. <laughs> We're tracking. Six inches. Six inches. Standing. You can't move. And you speak solid for two hours and 43 minutes. Wow. Terrible. But you did so good. You did an awesome job. It was an amazing experience. Like, Virtual Academy, awesome. Like, y'all put me up in this. I mean, I get there, and I'm, like, sitting in pictures, like, who who else is coming? You know, like, why am I in this? Is the president coming? Right. My gosh, this apartment, (laughs) like, took care of me. It was wonderful. I remember on the way, it was I think it was a five or six hour drive for me. So I was really practicing. Like, I'm just talking, you know. And, and then I was like, this is going to be fine. Well, then two hours and 43 minutes, I was like, can I be done? And they're like, yeah, girl, you're good. Yeah, it's a so, lot. It's a lot. So it was definitely different. I enjoyed it, though. Like, I mean, you're standing not only under the bright lights, but then the hardest part for me in any presentation I ever do is they're like, tell us about yourself. I don't know why that's the hardest part, you know, because I'm like, like you told me, I undersell myself. Like, well, that's, I guess, it's yeah, hard to, I guess you're, it's hard. The humbleness sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you see that on, honestly is I'll be like, I'm Anjali. What else do you need to know? You know? Yeah. And, but it was definitely, I was so grateful for the experience. I was thankful that you posted that on Facebook. And then of course I did, I sent you, I sent you a text or an email and I was like, Hey, content. You sent me a Facebook messenger yes. that said hey i have the 10 deadly and i think you had a contract within a week yes it was no seriously you were like hey i'm gonna send you this girl's gonna be calling you i remember i was actually doing a training and i sat in the room she was wonderful she's like i'm thinking two hours tennessee just pushed forward this thing where we have mandated to have at least two hours mental wellness it'll be great throughout the state of tennessee let's do this and i was like oh my god i i seriously went back and watched that when y'all sent it to me well you may or may not realize this but actually aaron and his team they'll take you know, that two hours and 43 minutes and they'll, they'll create all kinds of yes. roll calls and just spin I saw offs. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. I remember yeah. I was, I do this crazy, uh, New York trip with my little girlfriends and y'all had just sent, y'all just sent it to me and I like pulled up the little teaser and like they heard my, we were in the taxi, just got off the airplane and they, it was like my voice was talking and they were like, is that you? And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of a big deal. Do me an autograph. <laughs> But it's just so like I was so thankful for the experience. Like I was thankful that I honestly I wish we had this one when I was going through the academy and a young officer. Yeah, I mean, this is this is just great. Oh, I know, I know. Well, you can't go back, but nope. I just wonder how many you know people could have their careers could have turned out a little differently had sure. we, you know. Yep. Well, listen, guys. Uh, I know you got kids to feed. You yeah. know, and lives to, to and lead. Anjali's to feed. Yeah, Anjali's yeah. to feed. Yeah. And um, I'm going to find that Husband of the Year award because, I mean, right? she's really been, she's really been, you know, I'm giving so you the gold star. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I do what I can. She She's she's the best wife, too. I mean, she really takes care of me, too. Driving so crazy. Yeah. We, we both drive each other crazy, and that's, that's part of the beauty of it all. You know? Well, hey. But you he know? really does deserve a lot. Like, he, he's a hard worker. 
again, his reputation is what's important to me too. I've not heard bad things about him in the community, so I'm thankful for. So at the end of the day, is the path to take for these young police officers and their families to communicate, love each other, and be honest and open and talk. Absolutely. you got to have that communication. And I think honesty in particular, like be honest about how you feel at the end of the day about what's going on with you. Because I see a lot of the time people lose themselves in, I'm going to be honest with what I think about what you're doing. But that doesn't help in the communication. You've got to be really honest with what I'm experiencing. I'm overwhelmed. I need to be held. I feel alone. I need, I need a moment, whatever it is, like you've got to be honest with what you're going through in that moment so we can hear each other better. Remember that, Aaron. Do you hear that, Aaron? <laughs> I mean, you got to be willing to put the time in, okay? Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, seriously, thank you so very much. We appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy. but Thank you for yeah. having thank us. Thank you for coming. On behalf of Virtual Academy and the uh, Between the Lines podcast, we just want to give you a big air hug and say thank you. Thank Group you, hug. Chris, there so we much. Go. Y'all are awesome. <laughs>